Hi, I'm Steve Mabb, Chair of the Australian Shareholders Association, and we're proud to be hosting the 2024 Investor Conference in Melbourne from the 19th to the 21st of May. And we're stoked that Phil, the host of this podcast, is going to be our special guest MC. If you haven't heard much about the ASA Conference, it's a flagship event that attracts around 300 investors and industry professionals, including the Chair of National Australia Bank this year, the Chair of AGL. We have Dr. Sam Hupert, the founder and CEO of Primedicus, and we've also got Richard White, the founder and CEO of WiseTech coming along, along with many others. For a limited time, new members can enjoy special pricing on registration for the upcoming conference, along with a complimentary 12-month digital membership with the ASA. That's two-day conference registration plus one-year ASA membership for $499, a saving of $150. Simply search for Australian Shareholders Conference Register, click on two-day conference non-member, enter the discount code MEM, as in member, 499, the number's 499, so that's MEM 499 to claim your special offer. Come along and meet me and Phil at the conference. We look forward to seeing you there. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shares for Beginners. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Shares for Beginners. Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorised reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. The way I see that we've got three main financial objectives. One is to cover the now. We've also got the future, so we need to plan for that. And that also, part of that includes retirement. And then there's a third, which is planning for the unexpected. Of course, the only relevant goal seems now. Um, but we need to think of the other two because at some stage they do happen. And if you're not prepared, you know, that's, there's a lot of pain involved. So we need to balance between all three. And so inevitably, because of that process, you get this big pot of money and it's really tempting to, to access. But it was never designed for that purpose. Housing in Australia has some real challenges. You know, one of the big factors is the supply side. Releasing super for housing just increases the demand side and it wouldn't be a solution. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. It's not a competition, but who has the best retirement system on the planet? How do other countries look after their oldies so they can run down the beach in white linen like you see on the brochures? Joining me today to discuss this and returning guest is David Scollin. G'day, David. G'day, Phil. Thanks very much for coming back in. Great to be here again. So David is a senior consultant for Jana Investment Advisors, and that's really at the big, big, big end of town, isn't it? And the author of Mission Possible, which we spoke about last time, Four Steps to Financial Independence on Any Income. So part of David's role is researching the two big topics of retirement and sustainability. As part of this role, he recently researched the retirement systems of various European countries, meeting with pension funds, asset managers and consultants. He also attended the PRI conference in Barcelona. So let's start off by talking about Jana Investment Advisors. What do they do and what do they mean to listeners of this podcast? Yeah, terrific, Bill. Uh, yeah, so Jana is uh, what we call an institutional investment consultant. Yep. So we help uh, institutions navigate the whole topic of investments. So yep. typical clients could be 
charities, endowments, universities, the big super funds, Mm -hmm. insurance companies, uh, and even uh, advisor businesses and licensees are turning to Jhana for sort of more of an institutional offering. We focus on the investment side, and that could be across um, where to invest, which asset classes, and also the topics like regulation, um, sustainability, retirement. The way I liken it to is, um, you know, just like an individual would get an advisor, institutions get uh, investment consultant. And what it means to the listeners is that uh, the ultimate beneficiaries of our clients is everyday Australians like you and me, Phil. And mm. um, and so, you know, we're very conscious. Fire our super accounts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and in you know, endowments, charities, mm-hmm. universities as well. I mentioned before about the pension funds, asset managers and consultants that work in this area around the world. And these are all in pension schemes and they're very similar um, but different to what we call super in this country, aren't they? Yeah. I I mean, you can summarise the three major parties within any investments is – the, the asset owner, mm-hmm. so like a super fund, they're the they're investing the money. Then you've got asset managers who actually take invest the money on behalf of asset owners. Yep. And then you've got asset consultants that guide around you know how to allocate and 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 percentage allocations and all the regulation. And that, so the Jana is one of those. Yeah, Jana is yeah. a consultant. Mm-hmm. And now that sounds like well, it's, it's three parties, but you know, investing is uh, it's complex. Yeah. You know, when you start to delve into it, it's there's a lot of complexity around it, um, and hence the need for you know different parties doing the area of specialisation. So why did you go to Barcelona for the conference? Yeah, was, it so for the, the, was it for the tapas or uh, there was actually important things to do? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a convenient lo- location. It's great yeah. tapas there. The PRI conference is uh, – PRI stands for Principles of Responsible Investing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a UN, United Nations-backed initiative to bring all the investors, institutional investors around the world together and to really navigate the topics of – sustainability and responsible investing so environment social factors and to work out how to navigate that that topic first time together since 2019 and uh, there's about 5,000 signatories and there's about 2,000 in person and Mm. and also uh, others online as well we were talking off air just before we started the tape rolling on this about sustainability and about issues and the things that they were brought up at the conference and you were mentioning that ESG is not that well understood but part of it is are you going to invest in an airport for example that is going to be flooded in maybe 10 or 20 years time is that part of the things that you're looking at when you go to a conference like this actually you've raised a couple of points there so on the topic of the whole area it can be misunderstood. Mm. I don't think the industry has done itself any favours by lots of different terminologies that can be confusing. Mm. But, I mean, ultimately, you know, it's looking at recognition that for sustainable returns, you need a sustainable world Mm. and investments have impact. Um, And so we need to be clear on what the impact is and and how to ensure a sustainable world as as well as as returns. In terms of the topics at PRI, uh, lots was discussed. It was actually sandwiched in between the COP27 that was held in Egypt and that covered climate. And then it was held just before the COP15 for biodiversity, which was held in Montreal, Canada. And so that was one of the, a lot of the topics discussed. And also just the regulation that's going on around the world, things like the uh, Inflation Reduction Act um, in the US that the 
Biden administration announced, um, and which has been is, is very significant mm. in terms of the impact of where money gets invested and, and the whole area of sustainability. And then we talked about you know the risks of greenwashing and impact of investments as well. So a lot discussed. What was the things that you found the most interesting? What were some topics that just sort of stood out for you? It's interesting the different jurisdictions and what they're dealing with. So Europe, this whole topic is much more integrated mm. um, than other parts of the world, particularly you know some parts of the US. Um, there's a lot of debate that goes on in the US about the whole the whole area. It's always quite heartening actually to get into an environment like that where you, there's actually a lot of really smart good people that are trying mm. to work out a lot of solutions. So um, it's quite encouraging to know that there's uh, you know a lot of good work is is being done. Um, you know, which is always good to see. So you've done some research around retirement. Can you explain what's so complicated about retirement and why you need to research it? Yeah, sure. So actually retirement is being, uh, was labelled by uh, a Nobel Prize winner as the, the nastiest, hardest problem in finance. And there's good reasons for that. One of the factors with retirement is when you go into retirement, you're effectively switching off your ability to earn an income. Yeah. And that's, and then relying on, age pension, a combination of the age pension and uh, you, you say your savings. Yeah. And that's challenging. And to give a perspective on that, if you can imagine that you were planning to take a year off from earning an income, whatever, for whatever reason, you wanted to do some study or raise a family or, or go traveling. And you can imagine the, the amount of work and planning and saving that would be required to do that for one year. Mm. Retirement's sort of like that, except you're doing it for multiple years. And in some cases for decades for some people there's a lot of unknowns associated with that so some of the unknowns is the fact we don't know how longevity we don't know how long we need income for mm. we don't know how the markets are going to play out the sequence of returns each year mm. Mm. we also don't know the inflation ahead of us and and how costs will increase and then lastly we also don't know like what the big lumpy costs are out there so you know for instance health issues or aged care mm. costs as well so altogether that makes it pretty complex mm. but there's some there's actually some good news because um there's a lot of work in terms of design around products that help navigate those unknown factors so the, these kind of factors are being taken into account in planning pension or superannuation style products is that the case yeah yeah so in yeah. australia uh there's been there's a requirement now under the retirement income covenant um a bit of le- legislation where funds have to provide a strategy that maximizes income manages those risks that i talked about all those unknowns and then also provide flexibility so you can access the money if needed for lump sum costs and that was part of the reason for the research and going on this research trip and seeing how other countries are doing it uh, and navigating the the whole area of retirement Mm. so tell us about these four other countries that you visited and uh, their systems yeah so we looked at uh the uk uh and then also denmark netherlands and then germany Mm. yeah it was really interesting i think i think some of the interesting take were that uh, the challenge is universal. So mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, all, all areas are, are trying to navigate it. The other thing was actually how good Australia is placed. It was interesting. We, we had, say, 30 meetings and um, often whoever we were interviewing or meeting with would suggest that, you know, it should be reversed, that they should be asking us questions because of the success of the Australian system. Mm. The other interesting thing, I think, is just trying to get engagement from members 
which is really tough because it, you can have the best system, one of the best systems in the world, but if people don't trust it, then... So what do you mean by engagement with members? What people whose money they're putting into the superannuation fund? Is that your, what you're talking about? Yeah, so yeah. engagement with the, the actual beneficiaries oh, okay, of, yeah. of the super mm-hmm. fund. Yeah. Because you can have yeah you can have the best system in the world, but if the but people are still whinge about it. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if beneficiaries don't trust it, mm. then, you know, it's, it's no good having a really great system because yeah. they'll go off and do their own thing and and that's not always a great outcome because you know you're more vulnerable to bad investments mm-hmm. to scams yeah um whereas you know we've got a, a good regulated system that is there to to provide income in retirement mm. the final big takeout was the onus on the industry to design have really good design around retirement solutions so that people can trust it and sort of you know i guess enjoy their retirement knowing that they are being looked after. Can you give us some specifics about any of these other systems? I mean, which one would you like to talk about? UK, Denmark, Germany? Oh, it was interesting. So Netherlands and Denmark are actually ranked very highly in global pension systems, so just above the Australian system. And there's a real, uh, I guess, trust, much more trust in the system. Yeah. There's also, I guess, a lot of pooling of, of risk as well, so that um, they've got what's called like a modern tontine system generally. You know, if, if, if you pass away, your pot of money goes into the, the bigger pool mm-hmm. and that, that, that goes out to the, the surviving members. Um, and there's of, a, there's, of your family? Uh, actually, the surviving members of the, of the, the fund. Oh, okay. So uh, it doesn't get passed on to your beneficiaries? The portion you put in mm-hmm. the, into that pot doesn't. And yeah. it just goes to the great, the bigger pool. Oh, and wow. culturally, that's yeah. they're used to that, wow. and they're comfortable with it. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a death tax almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> that's the way we would be characterised here in Australia, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, mm. That's right. I mean, that's this is the challenge of retirement, yeah. is a, of getting people across sort of some of these, you know, these ideas. But yeah, but that's an idea. The idea is that, that it's for the greater good. This is something that the whole of society benefits from. Yeah. Well, it's a way of dealing with that item I mentioned, longevity. Yeah. yeah. So when we don't know how long we're going to need income for mm. one of the you need a solution that will cater for that and one approach is to pull money and so that those who survive yeah um, they still start to receive an income those who who, who don't they don't have the ongoing need for income mm-hmm. um, so that's that's one approach to it but you know it, it, it points to the fact that the culture of the country is sort of important in how you design retirement solutions yeah, um, what people are used to, what people think culturally as well. Mm. Um, so that, that, that was really interesting. And what are some of the things in our system that they like to look at and admire? So I think one of the big things is the fact that we have a defined contribution system, mm-hmm. whereas they, they've had a defined benefit mm. where the risk sits with the employer. And our defined contribution means it's being in, invested into more growth assets, which means mm. which is why it's become a really large pot. I mean, it's, it's a third or fourth biggest pension pot in the world, mm. which is pretty extraordinary when wow. you think of our small population. Yeah. I mean, amazing. And our economy is, what, about the 13th in their GDP? Yeah. 13th in the world, something yeah. like that? Yeah. And, and again- Which is still great, you know. Yeah, but, mm. for a small population. And, and we've been going for 30 years now with compulsory super. Mm. And so it's really grown into a, a large pot. And I think the combination of, you know, government pension plus your personal savings- plus your superannuation mm. um, makes for, for a good system, which they like. 
So tell us about Iceland. <laughs> How did they score so highly with their um, their pension system? Yeah, so Iceland's an interesting one. So the, there are a number of different... It's an inter- of, such an interesting country on so many levels. But anyway, yeah. I haven't got there yet. So, um, But yeah, Iceland's interesting. So there's a number of different indexes for pension funds. And one of them puts the, the, the main one, which is the, the uh, Mercer CFA Global Pension Index, puts it as number one. Mm. And that's based on three factors adequacy of the system the sustainability of the system and the integrity of it now we didn't go there partly it's super expensive mm. but also it's less relevant because the population of iceland's 370,000 yeah, people yeah, yeah. so as a wealthy country and with a small population it's not too big a challenge to pull off um, mm. having a, a good retirement system not to underplay what they've done there but um, we were looking for the bigger systems like netherlands and and denmark Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Super is one of the most important investments you'll ever make. But how do you know if you're in the best fund for your situation? Head to lifesherpa.com.au to find out more. LifeSherpa, Australia's most affordable online financial advice. You've mentioned to me previously that the Australian system is not perfect but really well-placed. Why is that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm always cautious about... Um, about perfect systems because there aren't any perfect systems and, mm. and anyone that talks about there being one, um, I'd be very cautious with. Um, and we should let the perfect get in the way of the good. But yeah, the Australian system is really well placed I and mean, we've already spoken about the fact that many countries look to our system as being a great example. It does rank highly in, in these indexes and that again is because of its adequacy, sustainability and the integrity of the model. We actually went down a couple of notches because during the COVID, partly because of the early release. Damn you, Iceland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, partly because and, and, and a couple of new countries came in. But also the early release was there, which suggests that if you have a system that people can access any time, mm. that does you know reduce the... The, the integrity ranking, the and, the, and the yeah. sustainability of the system. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of the other higher-rated countries have higher contribution rates, like, like 12% and higher. But, you know, the, the system is really good in Australia and also there's so much regulation and monitoring of it and improvements on it that it you know, that it's getting better and better all the time. So, yeah, um, yeah. And, and I should add that, you know, in the end, it's a bit academic of whether you're first, second or third. The fact that you're in the top five is excellent because mm. I can tell you there's some countries over out there that that are lowly ranked and all other countries that don't have any system. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah we're, that's we're right. Yeah. Lucky. I just wanted to go back to something that you mentioned a little while ago or a little bit ago in the, the interview is about um, our system invests in growth assets and that's different to some of the other countries. It, it, can you just explain that a little bit for us, please? Our system is it's been around for a long time. We know that it's what we call sticky money or it's long-term capital. Mm. And so we can invest it accordingly in growth assets and in unlisted investments like property and infrastructure. Mm. Some of the other countries don't have that luxury, um, partly because of really tight fee constraints. And everyone 
often focuses on just trying to get the lowest costs. But there's a balance there. You know, having too low costs is really restrictive and you actually limit the sort of returns you can get. Mm. Also, I mentioned Australia has a defined contribution system which allows for more growthy investments. Um, whereas when you've got a defined benefit, you've got a liability that you need to match. Mm. And so you need to be cautious around um, you know, m- making sure you match that liability and sometimes caution in investing as well. So what's a, that's a defined benefit? What is that? Uh, so defined benefit, there, are, there actually used to be, uh, actually some, some people still have a defined benefit in Australia. But yeah, public very, service, mainly public servants, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and, mm. and those that have been around in the public service for a long time, not, not people entering now. Effectively, it's an agreement of a payment either at retirement or an agreement of an agreed amount in retirement. Mm. And they're not really sustainable. So um, particularly with, you know, people living longer and and living in retirement for longer. So there's been a move away from that throughout the world. Was there any talk about France and the raising of the retirement age in France? No, there wasn't. I mean, of course, it's pretty topical now. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, particularly given that, you know, we know people were living a lot longer. You know, and a lot of a lot of people would argue that they uh, they want to work longer, and sometimes mm. it's restrictive of yeah. how long you can work for because mm-hmm. you know people want to stay, um, you know, motivated engaged, and engaged, active. and yeah. and mm. whether that's working just locally or even pro bono work, mm. people just want to. Some people want to be still engaged and keep their brain switched on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Presumably, exactly. Yeah. So we hear a lot about changing demographics in the future that will mean that the retirement system won't be able to support retirement at the same levels that we all enjoy. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, okay. So demographics um, is an interesting one. There's two major demographics uh, forces that are happening that are relative to, uh, relevant for retirement. Um, one is, I just mentioned, life expectancy. So we're in retirement a lot longer. I think mm. the stats used to be many, many decades ago that you, know, you retired at 65 and life expectancy was 67. Mm. So it wasn't a really big uh, stretch to to you know, fund re- yeah, just, retirement. Just time that by the time you put your feet up, you're putting your feet up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, so much longer now. And the other factor is the the lowering birth rate. Mm. So what that means is we're getting a smaller percentage of those that are working and paying taxes relative to those who aren't working, and mm. particularly that retired group because they're living longer. Yeah, and and this puts pressure on retirement systems. Um, mm. th- and this is a global factor. Again, Australia is pretty well placed because we're not purely reliant on the government pension. Mm. We have this multiple pillars of the pension, the super, your personal savings, and even your house as well yeah. mm-hmm. that you can rely on. Also, um, you know, Australia is a relatively wealthy country and, and the sustainability of a pension system relies on a health, health economy, which we have. And also we've got a few levers on the demographics. You know, Australia is an attractive place to come to. People want to come here and live here. Um, and so we can, we're fortunate to be able to draw on that as well. We can well. import some more taxpayers. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, and, and, and also for essential workers, uh, mm. jobs that you know, not everyone wants to do as well, with a, with a lot of people absolutely willing to do and skilled to do mm. those jobs. Mm. And the other, I think the other factor is that you know, people growing up today, there's less expectation or reliance on the pension particularly if you're starting to get superannuation allocation as a teenager when Mm. you first start working. I mean, Mm. that money is going to be sort of compounded over 40, 50, 60, 70 years by the time, you know, with life expectancy. And so I think there's lower expectations, even though the pension will always be there in some form. um, I think people are aware that, you know, you don't want to be just purely relying on that. I always like to 
find out all the different areas that money can be invested in, you know, and I, I know I go on a bit too much about fixed income and so forth, but there's also alternative investments. What are they and how are they valued? And is their true value being hidden sometimes in super accounts? Um, yeah, good question. Just for context, when we talk about alternative investments, there's a few things that fall under that. Some of them are uh, unlisted property, unlisted infrastructure and private equity. Mm investments in private companies. I always like to look at it in terms of the way um, Sydney Airport, for example, was publicly listed and then went private and it got into that system. And so normal investors can't access it, but you know, large superannuation funds can. Is that correct? Have I yeah, that's right. characterised so, it correctly? Yeah. So super funds have, because of the, the scale, they're able to go in and purchase big infrastructure or big properties mm. uh, and directly. And I should, I mean, further context is, yeah, there's two main ways we can access these, you know, property infrastructure and companies is either through uh, a listed exchange like the ASX Mm. or directly. And there's pros and cons with both of them and and pros and cons in how we value them. So if you're going to the ASX, one of the upsides is the fact you get daily values. Mm. You know what the value is. The downsides of that is you're vulnerable to the fluctuations of the market. You know, and in extreme cases, when there's really poor sentiment in the market, the value of your listed um, equities comes down, even though the long-term viability is still just as strong. Mm. And we know that smart investors have taken advantage of this really well, the most famous being Warren Buffett, Mm. knowing the sentiments of the market when there's fear and greed, and he's made billions out of that. The other way of going directly um, and purchasing uh, the the property or infrastructure companies is that um, you're not vulnerable to those daily fluctuations in the sentiment of the market. Mm. And that's good because the most relevant valuation for when you own those is what you can get if you want to sell it Mm. at the time. Mm. Um, It's a bit like owning investment property. You're not really interested in day-to-day valuation. You're interested in what you can get when you sell it. The downside of that is that we don't get daily um, valuations. And that's a challenge for a fund that needs to provide daily unit pricing for members. Mm. Mm. And, And... it's mainly a challenge when there's a big dislocation of the listed market and then private assets. Private assets, to your question, get valued by professional values, specialists. They're usually on a panel and they get rotated and usually quarterly or six monthly, depending on the size of the, of the asset. But it relies on recent sales, partly relies on recent sales. And that's challenging when there's not a lot of sales to go by. And so super funds have received attention on this because how do they reflect the latest valuation? Mm. And there's a lot of work going on at the moment about that in terms of how do we set up a better policy to cater for that. And for those that really want to go into the weeds, there's what's called APRA's SBG 530, um, where, where, um, where the details are. And we'll download the PDF and put it yeah, on the yeah. blog post. Get, get into it. <laughs> for anyone who wants to be yeah. find out all the details. Exactly. And, and that's, that's gonna, the detail on that's about to land um, mm-hmm. on, on how, how super funds are going to have to navigate that. So as far as superannuation goes, it's a reasonable thing for people to think that super is my money. Why shouldn't I be able to access it when I'm younger and maybe to buy a property, for example? Yeah, I mean, I, I know it it's, uh, can be frustrating. That's one mm. of the frustrating aspects. It's of sitting super. there. It's sitting there. <laughs> you're you can, sweating on it. You, you know? can see the account balance when you get a statement and, and you, you want to buy a, a property. No, I, I understand that for sure. I mean, actually, it's good to give, in answering this, it's good to give context. The way I see that we've got three main financial objectives. One is to cover the now. So, you know, obviously eating and living and purchasing a house or renting a property. 
We've also got the future, so we need to plan for that. And that also, part of that includes retirement. And then there's a third, which is planning for the unexpected. So we need to have a plan, for instance, if we can't work due to illness or injury. And of course, the only relevant goal seems now, covering now. Um, but we need to think of the other two because at some stage they do happen. And if you're not prepared, you know, that's there's a lot of pain involved. So we need to balance between all three. Now, super was set up for that future goal. That was the original objective. Actually, there was recognition about the future demographics and that we need to get people putting away for retirement because of all these, you know, what I spoke about before, the, the challenge of retirement. And so inevitably, because of that process, you get this big pot of money and it's really tempting to, to access. But it was never designed for that purpose. And each goal has different tools. So housing in Australia has some real challenges. And the, 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 you know, one of the big factors is the supply side. Releasing super for housing just increases the demand side and it w- wouldn't be a solution to the problem. Oh, okay. So there's an unintended qu- consequence from that. Yeah, yeah, and it's so yeah. super is not the idea. Like you wouldn't be, you wouldn't if you're designing a solution for housing, it wouldn't be a super fund. Mm. There's better mm. tools for that, but that doesn't, uh, you know, stop the fact that it can be frustrating to see it there. But there is certainly upside in also having that money set aside for the future as well. So the really big question is, why have all the brochures for retirees got them in white linen running down the beach? <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> must research well or something. Yeah, good question. Um, I, I, I should ask you, Phil. I can't mm. answer that one. That's out of yeah. my uh, remit. Oh, I, I, I just think that's a, you know, it's just an image that um, would most probably stick with certain people of a certain demographic and a certain age. And it's like the dream, you know, white linen denotes a dream in the yeah. future, doesn't it? Walking along the beach. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the sun. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a nice image anyway. <laughs> it is. It's a really nice image. So just in general, you're pretty happy with the retirement system here in Australia and that the future's bright for Australians and we're not going to run out of money in the future? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the super system is, is good. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more positive than people may realize. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's important to, for people to sort of just falsely believe in it, but to, to mm-hmm. you know, recognize and have some trust in the system. It, as I said, there's, there's no perfection, but it keeps improving. So it puts Australia in good stead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the reference points to that is the fact that when, you, when I was traveling, everyone kept asking about, um, about our system. When younger people are looking at their asset allocation in their super schemes, you know, they often will tick conservative. What kind of advice would you, I mean, we can't give advice, obviously, on this podcast. It bears consideration for a younger person to start thinking about how aggressive their superannuation should be when they're looking at the long term. Yeah, like, so, yeah, and it's definitely, this is definitely, this is general information. Mm. But, you know, the the general theory is that uh, the longer you have to invest, the more growth assets, so, you know, shares and property and infrastructure and private equity that you can invest in. Mm. Now, the super funds recognize this, and so they develop what's called the, the My Super, so the default option, mm. which is really set up generally for people with that longer-term horizon. And so the best thing to be doing if you're uncertain is to be checking with your super fund and, you know, and talk to them about talk it, to them, yeah. about what your goals are and what you need to do and what your time horizon is. Yeah. That's right. And there's a lot mm. of information on the website, mm. sometimes calculators to help you manage that. And if that's not helpful, then the call center as well. Um, but it is important to get that, that right, you know, to, to be investing in mm. the right because it's over so many, so many years. Um, I, think, I think a lot of people, though, they just think about, they don't even think about the super and where it's really worthwhile to be proactive to see what 
um, how that money is being invested on your behalf. Yeah, I mean, that's right. So um, doing it right over many years really makes a difference. And um, I mean, this is a bit naff, but, you know, mentioning the book, the book I wrote, I mean, that was part of the reason for writing it is to help people navigate this, you know, the, the whole topic of mm. super and investing outside of super, knowing it's, it is challenging, particularly when you're busy and you've got other things, there's more exciting things to do. And the book is, you know, really structured to help people understand the systems in Australia, how to understand them, how to use them for your own advantage um, so that you can you know, be well set up. So now that you have brought up the book, <laughs> tell us the name and where people can find more information. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the book's um, so it's, it's called Mission Possible, Four Steps to Financial Independence on Any Income, um, available at the usual sites. Also, th- there is a website for the book, so missionpossiblebook.com.au, and uh, there's a discount there for anyone that wants a, a discounted signed copy. Um, just put in early discount, one word. Uh, and um, that's available. But, you know, really um, yeah, set up to help people navigate this topic because I know it's, uh, it's, not a, it's not an easy topic to navigate. David Scullin, thank you very much for joining me again today. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Shares for Beginners. You can find more at sharesforbeginners.com. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. 